Love. It's another episode of Stick That's a Fork right. in It. Yeah. And we're actually on location, which we don't do very often. Beautiful mise en place. Mise en place. <laughs> Iconic. Mm-hmm. I yeah. say that a million times, right. <laughs> but I should be using Epic because we're here Yeah, because the eighth annual Epic Chef is coming up. That's right. And the executive chef and founder of Mise en Place mm-hmm. um, is Marty Blitz. And we happen to have the Marty Blitz Award because right. he's the OG. <laughs> yeah, he's been around since the beginning. Yeah. Mentored a lot of the people that have uh, competed in Epic Chef, you know, mentored the mentors of the people competing in Epic Chef. Right. It's pretty interesting. We've even had some of the chefs that have worked underneath him yeah. um, that have opened and been successful in their own right with their own restaurants uh, on the podcast before rooster and the till Um, it's just an amazing community Mm -hmm. and uh you know, again, as he says, he's an OG. Mm-hmm. But, you know, right now, we're getting ready to talk to him. But, uh, you know, he's still very hands-on. If you want to come to Mise en Place, um, he and his team have a meal together before each day that he cooks for them. Uh, he does the menus. Um, and he's really very hands-on after almost 38 years. Okay, a lot of experience. Uh, in Tampa Bay. <laughs> so you guys enjoy Marty. Make sure to go to Mise en Place. I've been going since the 90s. Uh, it's an amazing experience. And an epic chef. Yeah, coming up. Tell folks how they're going to be able to watch it. Yeah, so, you know, uh, it always sells out quick inside. There's not a lot of room at the Epicurean Hotel to actually come and watch, but we do a live stream every year that you can watch on our YouTube channel at Feeding Tampa Bay. Um, You can come and hang out at Epicurean. You know, you can sit at the bar, sit at the lounge, watch the show. Um, It's a pretty fun event all throughout uh, July and the beginning of August. Yes, there's Mm -hmm. five Mondays. You and I have got stuff to do. That's right. Right? (laughs) So feedingtampabay.org slash epicchef. Check it out, and you guys enjoy meeting the amazing Marty. That's right. Marty, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. Great to be here. It's your first podcast today? First podcast ever. That's okay. We're going to get you started. Now you're going to want to be on podcasts all the time because it's so easy and fun to have those conversations. So we're at your restaurant hanging out. Um, It's quiet, but I'm sure it's filled every night because you are iconic in this Tampa Bay area. Oh, thank you. For sure. Um, so let's start out telling us a little bit about you. Where did you Where did you grow up? So I grew up um, from from Brooklyn, but I didn't. I just was born there, and I mm-hmm. grew up in uh, outside of Detroit. Okay. Um, and I did an apprenticeship at the Golden Mushroom Restaurant. It was in Southfield. Um, it's now a CVS, from what oh, I heard. So, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah. So uh, I moved to Saint, uh, Clearwater. Um, when I was 20, got married to my partner, my business partner, Marianne, mm-hmm. uh, moved to uh, Clearwater, and then just and you've been went here from there, you know. since you're 20 years old. Yeah. So, what, you know, again, I keep using the word iconic, but you are one of the most iconic chefs in our area. How did you choose food? So, when I was like 14, I worked in delis outside of Detroit. And that's just my introduction to the you know restaurant business, mm-hmm. and I always kind of did that. And then I decided when I went, I went to a like a culinary junior college, kind okay. of like equivalent to what would be like HCC here. I uh-huh. um, met a guy who was working at the Golden Mushroom, and uh-huh. he said, "Hey, we became friends." He said, "Hey, you should come here and work." You know, it's mm-hmm. a, you know, I said, "All right." So I went over there, and um, what's what's crazy is like I went there and I was making decent money at another restaurant. And the pay was low, and this is going back like God, forty plus years ago. Well, no, yeah. And um, the chef told me the pay, and I was like, "Nah, I'm good." And then I left because it wasn't <laughs> like now where people work for free, and yeah. you know, and right. and so 
then I was working this job and I was kind of miserable. And then um, totally different than working any other job I had. Mm -hmm. It was like very serious. Um, Czechish chef who was pretty hardcore. And, um, you know, still not in the mindset like it is now where, you know, you got food, food channels. Right. It's out there everywhere. Um, there, then it was just kind of like a job, you know. So, like, you know, it was different mentality, you know. So, um, but, yeah, so I worked there for three years, became an apprentice. Um, it was a good experience. But, you know, like I said, different mindset then at those right. days and now. Right. So you didn't absorb everything like you would have. Like, I would have probably stayed another year. Because gotcha. knowing because the chef was so great, yeah. I could have learned so much more. But so from there, I moved to Florida, got married, moved to Florida. And then my first chef job, I felt like, man, I need to know more things. And I could have, I had access to that and I didn't take it. So that's basically, you know, it was um, from moving there to here. So Right. So when you say hardcore for a chef, I know there's this... Uh you know, there's there's shows out. What is it called? Bear, the bear I think. Yeah. The bear. You know, there's shows out that show some kind of hardcore situations in kitchens. He was almost like the level of the flashbacks. I mean, like in that show, there's flashbacks with the chefs. Yes. You know, who you think you are with your tattoos and your right. piercings, and and it's kind of like he was kind of like almost that level. Like, okay. And he was young. I mean, he was when I worked there, he was in his fifties. Okay. And you know. Which now is young to me. Which, yeah. but it felt. I'm in my fifties. But it felt, but it felt old then. Like right. I thought, back then you old the, guy, yeah. you know. And I'm sixty, so. No, you're not. No, no, I'm sixty. So I think of myself, like when I think of him in the fifties, that he right. was this old man. Almost it would be in the eighties, <laughs> right? Right. But the guy was like, a, like amazing. But he was kind of like hard. He was like, he was like very like intense, you know, and. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, every, all chefs are somewhat intense, but I guess kind of like, I, I mean, can you like swear on this podcast? Or? <laughs> we, we try to keep it a little PG. Okay, so. yeah, yeah, a little PG on this one, but so. we know where you might be going with that. <laughs> so, so he was like, um, like, like I remember like people would cry, people would walk out, people would, I guess... I mean, he would bring people to the worst right. point of, you know. So, you know, so the culture back then, which you're talking the 80s, right? Well, yeah, well, yeah, Seven, probably late, late 70s, 70s, yeah. Late 70s, late, early yeah. 80s was the tougher you were on somebody, the more you made them grow, right? Is that the... Yeah, he believed that he would create chefs that would move on and help them move on to other restaurants. Right, and, right. And, um, but he would... Like, I mean, he would dump, like, he would, if you he, you made something he didn't like, he wouldn't just say more salt or more this. Right. He would dump it on your station and tell you it's, it's garbage wow. and you suck and you're you're not going to be anything. And Wow. So, I mean, if if you didn't yell at, like, I remember we had one position that was in the uh, prep area. So they had a restaurant, they had two restaurants, they had one in the bar area. Mm -hmm. and it was pretty busy. And then they, they had the fine dining main mm -hmm. dining room. And the, and the prep area was like a lunch kind of and a bar at night, but it was busy. And that was a very, very, very difficult station to work because you just did everything. You were one person and you, you would feed like, you know, 100, 200 people. Mm -hmm. But you had a limited menu, but still, yeah. it was very hard to work. And so I remember, and he would be down there prepping on a table on the side. And if he, he I had a pan and I put oil in it to cook something. And if he, he did not hear it sear, like that sizzle, yeah. he came and it would interrupt you while you have tickets coming in and tell you it's not hot enough, throw your pants across wow. the line. Jeez. I mean, it was intense. 
So wow. it was I can't a imagine. crazy, like high pressure. That being my training, <laughs> right? Right. And <laughs> so it would make you definitely stronger. Mm. I mean, and then he would like berate you in front of everybody, and then tell you 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 don't yell at the waiters enough. Wow. Like that's why you know, there was always that um, the mentality of cooks kitchen versus front of the house mm. because. Okay. Um, it's not that way so much now. It's more. It's more. Everybody gets along. But right. uh, back then, it was really kind of common knowledge that the, the kitchen, the back of the house, and the front of the house did not get along, wow. and and it was like almost like common knowledge. So uh, through the years, that has changed. But right. but he would. I got yelled at for not yelling at servers. Wow. You know? <laughs> so I was like, okay. So you know these things you remember. You know? Right. Of course, that's like your first experience. So, but you know. Through the years, I got through it. It was tough, but I, I ended up leaving. Everything was great. And then he turned 80 about, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they had this reunion. And, and you know, I was kind of, when I was there, I was just a young, mm-hmm. dumb, you know, kid, you know. And mm-hmm. I left still somewhat like, and now I have businesses. and yes. And so, like, he didn't, I think, respect me then, but now... Um, through all the apprentices, we we basically, he said I was invited to cook his 80th birthday dinner uh-huh. at Quartz in Michigan. You know, wow! So it was kind of a great feeling, and you know, with a great lineup, and uh, that's an you know, honor. And then we talked, and he said, I, you know, I'm really happy. you've done great, and it was like to hear that from him. Yeah, was pretty pretty cool. So your first mentor. So I felt like that was great you know so so yeah so that was a good thing you know so um are there other you know you came to florida i know you were saying that you needed more skills well i mean when when you're um so my first chef job was at a restaurant called rg's north yeah. you remember them yeah i do so, used to go there remember rg's uh, i'm not sure i do uh, yeah. 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 Young, you know, yeah, so. he's <laughs> young but, he wasn't uh, eating and <laughs> but R- rg's was cool because yep. um they were like the first new american style restaurant in tampa mm-hmm. Um, so I was at Saddlebrook prior and then just doing line cook. And then I got this job at RG's as a sous chef, which mm-hmm. was great because I'm still learning. I want to learn. And, you know, I got married young, so I didn't have that travel, you know, ability. So I go there and then the chef within the first week quits mm. because he was really in the food shows gotcha. and he was getting a sponsor. So they needed a chef and they said, Hey, do you want to be the chef? I'm 20. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, cause Sure. cocky and you know right so at that point now i still wanted to learn so you kind of learn as you go you right. know so i mean i had a decent background of training mm-hmm. but at that point you realize god I, I need to know this and that and whatever you know mm-hmm. so you kind of learn as you go and fortunately i'm pretty self-inspired so that gave me an opportunity to just kind of just take the challenge and yeah. so um it was good like it was a good opportunity so i was at rg's and they like I said, did a lot of new American things. Mm-hmm. They had RG's downtown. They opened Cactus Club, and mm-hmm. a lot of they had like four restaurants in their portfolio before they kind of closed everything. But it was a good. It was a good opportunity for me. How did you run your kitchen when you were the executive chef? So there, I was pretty low key because I still was learning myself. Right. So I was kind of pretty nice. I always felt I would be nice because right. I just felt I didn't want to be like the guy that, that I worked yeah. for because it was not. It wasn't cool, you know. And and. I was always pretty respectful to everybody. Um, and then I still didn't know the intensity of, like, food. And I was still learning, too. Right. So, like, like you know, like, now everything's all Michelin, one star, how many stars got, or, mm-hmm. and it's so intense. But 
then I was kind of more like, because the restaurant too wasn't like a Michelin restaurant. It was more like a kind of a, a just a good yeah. a new American restaurant with fun food, good tasty food. And so, yeah, and some young kids that mm-hmm. were working there. That was one of my first job right. at that. And we had a good crew. And it was like fun, and they were the owners were cool, and they were fun. They came from yeah. Chicago from the Lettuce Entertainment Group, so they had okay. a good mentality okay. of um, of hospitality. So um, it was a fun. It was fun for the first like almost two two and a half years, and then they started opening other restaurants, and everything got more serious. But yeah. I was always, I was always pretty like in the moment, you know, just yeah. you know, pretty chill, you know, so. low key. Low key, I, I yeah. Then yeah. you know. So what? When you were at RG's, what was your uh, what was the favorite that you prepared? Like what was the? So they're big sellers. They did a lot of like. So when I moved down, I never heard of Grouper when I came to Florida, and then it was like one night you sell fifty orders of Grouper. Like, <laughs> God, you know? But I mean, Grouper would sell, and the way they did it was crazy. Like they would. So like, here's coming from a point where we've worked in minimal restaurants, and you know, you know, you know some skills, but you know, you're still learning. So they would cook grouper in like clarified butter like almost deep fried in butter okay. like they'll clarify like two cases of butter uh and then um use clarified butter to saute but it wasn't really saute it was really frying it and they would mm-hmm. almost do a uh, score the fish like a checker like a like a tic-tac-toe board right and then drop it in there and it looked like it was and it was so good right all that but everything's like, good with butter but it didn't make it didn't make <laughs> but it didn't make sense to me and, and i'm still learning so i'm like this yeah. why not just use minimal fat like saute means cooking minimal fat fast you know hot and and um i just never seen anything like that and mm-hmm. i would try to and and i say just still new i would try to tell the owners look you can save a ton of money yeah. use like a, a neutral oil and finished with butter, you know, and this mm-hmm. is young, I'm 20, I don't know anything, and like, and they're not listening to me, you know, they're, because people love it, well, of course you're gonna love it, it's crispy, <laughs> right. it's buttery, yes. it's grouper, which is, you know, so, um, so that, things like that would sell, I mean, back then, um, they had like, just, you know, it was pretty, pretty nice things for being so, for being so old, you know, right. but they, they did some kind of weird things, but you know it is it is what it is, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I was just kind of gonna get a pulse on where you what type of foods you started with and where you ended up, which we'll get to. Yeah, they had but. like they would run minimal specials, but everything was rotating, so it was either a Burblanc or a Hollandaise. Okay. Um, like a, like back then it would be like a scout. Oh, tonight's uh, the prep cook. We got a list. How much per blanc? Three pounds of butter. Five pounds of butter. How many holidays? Ten eggs. Uh, Twenty yolks. You know what I mean? So depending on if we did like a dill hollandaise or a scallion per blanc, or sometimes we did a barouge. So it's a red wine like sauce per blanc, and then you do a barouge and a blanc on a plate with the fish on top. You know, back oh. then, and then your sides on the side. You know, right? So. So yeah, Plate so, and pretty. So yeah, it was and it was all good, and, mm-hmm. and then all your sides were choice of three starches, and everybody got the same vegetables. So that was kind of the format. The of vegetable that of the day. Yeah. So whatever it was. So yeah. so that was the format of the okay. of the of the menu. Okay. So what was your next step professionally? So RG's was good, and then they opened RG City Center, and then I was supposed to move there, and then they said we want you to stay here, RG's North, and I was kind of ready. So I said, look, I, I'm not happy. So they said, well, right, we'll bring you to um, city center, but you have to step down as a chef. I said, I mean, at that point, I didn't care. I said, yeah, that's fine. So then I kind of, I was doing some catering at Ruth Eckert Hall, which was fun for a lot of music, you know, a lot of bands. And because mm-hmm. Marianne, my partner, was working there as an F&B. 
And so you'd have like, and I love music, so you'd have like all these killer like. Well, bands. wait a minute. Marianne was at Ruth Eckert Hall yeah. doing F and B. Yeah. Dang. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I was, so I kind of did would pick do some of those like, um, mm -hmm. and they were fun. So I decided I think maybe I'm gonna do some catering. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I kind of phased phased out of RGs, and then we started. Uh, Marianne found a spot for us on Platt Street, mm -hmm. and. Uh, it was 840 square feet, and then we worked out of my house for about three months while we were building it, and um, it was crazy. We we would have like I remember we had Ruth Eckert because we had a little connection there. Do a party for like 200 people. I have a refrigerated truck in my driveway <laughs> and wow. prepping in my my house in, when I lived in Summit Heights, and have like it was just like honestly I don't know how how we did it. And I hear people <laughs> do it now still, yes. and, but. It was crazy. I mean, we did a lot, you know, and then uh, we moved there um, on Platt Street. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it was expensive to uh, then, you know, to start because no one, no one really believed in you because I really, I was a chef at RG's, but I didn't really have investor people and I right. didn't have, um, and I was just still kind of new. So like trying to get loans were hard and, you know, um, it was a lot. You so know. the struggle was real. Getting so started. it was it was a real yeah it was a lot. So it was her and I like she was still at Ruth Eckerd and then I had a guy named Gene Rob that worked at RG's and he was kind of like my he was like my sidekick. So he was mm -hmm. front of the house. We didn't have a dishwasher. We would wash all our dishes for the. I remember the biggest day was when we hired our first dishwasher. <laughs> that was like a big <laughs> achievement, you know. Yeah. And um, we worked out a little space and we did a lot of stuff out of there, but. Until we got recognized, it was kind of like a struggle, you know. Yeah. So we did everything. We did wholesale, and we're not bakers. I mean, we're not pastry chefs, <laughs> but but we made we we right. could fake it enough, you know. Um, as long as it tastes good, it there was great. Go. I mean, you know, everything was you know back then. It's a whole whole cakes, and mm -hmm. you know we're very uh, you know common. So um, so we did a little of that. Um, we did uh, we just did whatever, and then. Um, you know, one day we had this lady who came in and said, I hear you guys do good work. And we're, like, struggling. We're ready to, like, close, you know. <laughs> and I, she goes, I'd like you to do a party for me. And I said, oh, great. So we do this party, and it was and it was good. And then she had friends that had us do parties. She really kind of, I, I attribute to her a lot of saving our business. Okay. So she helped get you out there in front of the right people. Yeah. That's amazing. So because of her, we got good connections, and we... Uh, Really, I mean, it really saved us, you know. So. That's amazing. Are you but, are you still connected with her? She's still around. Yeah, she comes in. I see her once in a while. She's older now, you yeah. know. But uh, I haven't seen her in a while. But I just think of her, you know. Yeah, of so, course. But those people that influence you or you meet, yeah, that move you on. So once you met her, you get connected with everybody. A little bit, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So. So let's pause professional for a minute and okay. let's get into personal life. Okay. We jumped right into prof <laughs> professional. We want to kind of get to know you. We know where you grew up. Uh, you got married up north. To yeah, Mary? I married Mary and my business partner uh -huh. so at twenty, and mm -hmm. then moved here. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And you guys have been business partners for how many years now? Well, yeah, thirty, almost thirty-seven. Yeah. And we got we didn't. Unfortunately, the marriage didn't last that right. long, but everything was good. It was just we were, you know, it was not our time, you know. Right, so, right. But, but we even to, through getting divorced, you guys had common goal professionally and have remained friends. Yeah, we, yeah, we learned to work together. Work together. Well, you know, yeah. not not always 
great, but you know. But that's human. But yeah, I think that's I th- kind of I the think human so. element. A hundred percent, I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So tell us about your wife now. So my wife uh, Marja is a mm-hmm. uh, personal trainer, and mm-hmm. she's really big in the fitness. And uh, she, we've been together uh, twenty-four years. Okay. And married twenty, so yeah, um, and she's pretty supportive of what I do. And yeah. so, what's her favorite meal that you cook at home? Well, she eats, like, being very into fitness, she loves, like, roasted vegetables, proteins. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she eats relatively pretty healthy. Yeah. Um, so it's not, she's not really into the creative aspect of it. No. It's just more of the sustenance. Which kind of doesn't put you to work when you get home. It's easy to yeah. roast a chicken and some vegetables yeah, with it. Yeah, so, yeah. Good so. to go. She's, <laughs> yeah, she's pretty so she does, does she have a favorite on the menu here for those special times? She loves, so we serve a Branzino right now as a special. Mm. Um, so she, that's her go-to uh, rack she loves the rack of lamb mm-hmm. and then she had a filet the other night really she hadn't had it yet here so she really liked that so wait how many years have you been together and she hadn't <laughs> had a filet from here well she always like her go-to was like seafood oh, okay so okay. and then meats i would always give her the hanger because i was probably a better cut you know and mm-hmm. then i never really feel filets like the best cut you know I don't know, one night I was cutting fillets and um, they looked really marbled and really mm-hmm. nice. So I said, have fillet. You know, she really, she liked it. She loved it. You know? So explain, because I always thought that the fillet was the best cut of meat. Talk to me on well, that. Well, fillet is very lean, you know. Yeah. Um, like, I was watching, it's funny, I was watching something the other night. It could have been last night about the fillet and all chefs hate fillets. <laughs> but it may have been chopped. They were talking about, oh, it was last night I was watching chopped. So... Okay. Fillets, how that's chefs hate fillets, but they love ribeyes and strips and uh-huh. fatty meats. And uh, the fillet is, to me, I'm, I agree though. I mean, I, w- I would never order fillet hmm. if I go out. You know, what would you order? I would order uh, my go-to is a strip. You know, a New, New York strip. strip. You know, so okay. so it's kind of. I think it's somewhat true. I mean, I think fillet is buttery and it's like uh, tender mm-hmm. and, but it's just no fat. You know, right? It doesn't give you the flavor. Like so, the richness is a. But, but, but I did a filet for um, a catering we did a, a few weeks ago, and I did like a tataki, and it was like, you know, just seared and pretty raw mm-hmm. and had some Asian spices on it. Man, it was, it was like <laughs> melted in your mouth. So, I, you know, at the same it's time. It's got its place. Yeah. It's got definitely got its place. <laughs> sure, you know. I love a little a little seared or yeah. carpaccio is a thing oh, for totally, me. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, we totally got. Oh, you know what? Before we move on from steaks. Wagyu, what is the big deal? Is that because of the fat? It's for the mar- the marbling and the yeah. fat, yeah. Um, I mean, we were doing Wagyu here years ago. Um, you know, we're not a steakhouse, so, right. like, we don't, like, um, get crazy in the, like, the ja- true Japanese Wagyu. Um, but we used the Australian, and honestly, I think it was pretty good. Well, the stuff we got, we got, like, a strip, uh, mm-hmm. a strip in, and... I would get it like trimmed, just like a block. So they would cut like the nerve. There's an end that's very nervy that you can't mm-hmm. serve. So I pay a little more per pound, but I would be able to get utilize the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And we would grill like the scraps, and it was pretty. It was like an A5, or and it was it was, I think, really good. You know, so okay. I think there's definitely truth in the hype of wagyu. Um, you know. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's worth it to, to indulge. I would indulge. I mean, can. I definitely like some. You know, because I think. I think you can be over something is over marble too you know okay. where, but I feel the stuff that we were getting um, was definitely tasty and uh, I mean you know like over prime you get a really nice prime steak I don't know is there that much difference 
maybe not. But yeah. like I said, for a while we were using it, and we would get like Wagyu flank, and because mm-hmm. we we're more into like maybe in, more inexpensive cuts, so we don't have to charge crazy price right. points. Right. But the stuff that we got, I was always happy with, and I just kind of got away from it, and so I haven't done it and brought it back. But it was fun when we had okay. it when we did it. So. Okay. Okay. So. Looping back around, you met this amazing woman. You catered her party. You, she introduced you to folks. What was the next step from having that catering company on plat? Okay, so eventually we op- we were just like a, a small unit. So then we op- we took a space next door. So we were an 840-square-foot 800, business, but then we were in a six-unit, uh, uh, like a, a little plaza. Okay. So we kind of we took the space next to us. We went through the wall with like a, a wall concrete so it was so the way we did stuff back then we had to survive so we had no money so we went with the concrete saw and it was so crazy and, did it yourselves. and kind of did it um and uh that'd make a good show nowadays yeah. it was pretty crazy i mean the stories i mean it was crazy but we took the space and we put a little you know dining room and then we took another okay. space did another dining room and then we took Four out of the six, and they were all separate, wow. but they connected. Obviously, you go through the doorways right. and stuff. But um, so then we were lunch, and then we were dinner, and we were pretty busy. And then we were catering still, and um, we were we were killing it. Like then, you know, we had a smaller menu, uh, more simpler. Uh, I was on the line every night. It's like I think I was saute. I had a grill. We had a pantry. I think that was it. And so we kind of maintained that for, I don't know how many, I think we were there five, so maybe like two, three years. Mm-hmm. And then we closed and moved here. Mm-hmm. And we what's crazy about that story, we closed on a Saturday and reopened here on the next Friday. Wow. So we didn't even do any friends and family. We didn't. We just opened just, cold wow. turkey. Just hit it. Because... <laughs> So, that's like your, what your shirt said. Yeah, just yeah. Like getting right into it. I mean, you we know? just right? yeah. screw it. We're, we're just I know we got to get yeah. Chef a badass shirt <laughs> so, for sure. But I mean, yeah, we came in here and and I'll never forget my sous chef says, "Do you think we'll ever do like I don't know, like three hundred covers?" And I'm like, Cause "We would do like some nights we'd do like two twenty or and that was a lot in that mm-hmm. little space." But I go, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then the first night we did like five hundred. Wow, wow. <laughs> everybody was excited about it. So, what, what year did you open here in this location? So we were recall? there five five years. So whatever. So that would have been what ninety one, ninety two. You know. Yeah. So that's so, when I came here for the first time. Okay. All right. So yep. so when we opened here, it was rough for about a year. Well, probably a couple of years just with staff and because mm-hmm. we didn't add anybody. So we're doing almost double the business. Wow with the same crew. So I had people walking out, my bakers quit. I'm baking cheesecakes at two in the morning. <laughs> oh my I mean, gosh. it was like, it was crazy. Um, yeah, it was crazy, throwing, yeah, it was crazy. That's when now the, the mellow guy was like, not mellow. Was like, right, a little stressed intense, out, stressed not out. as glamorous as people would think. So it was pretty rough, but that took a while to kind of figure that out. And a lot of restaurants go through that, you know. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have like investors and we didn't have, you know, like, lots of money to, like, have extra, like, people so we could, you know, like, a lot of restaurants open, they have that. They have extra cooks, they have extra staff, but we were lean, so, um, but so we did that a couple years. Would you change that? From, uh, would you change uh, building your business lean like you did and organic? Well, we had to. to, We didn't have the option. Would you have wanted to have investors? um, Or or do you appreciate the fact that you started lean and mean? I feel the respect 
that how we did it. Um, but I just yeah. feel it's good, like it's good to have deeper pockets right. when you open. So Makes it a little bit easier, but yeah. But it was it was crazy. So then yeah, so then we kind of, you know, we were lunch, dinner, uh, catering still. So that was pretty pretty good, and we mm-hmm. were pretty. And the bar was decent. Like we had good bar. So we had a lot of. Like we were good, man. It was like exciting. You yeah. Know? So for and how long was that run to? to so that was I don't know how many years, but that was a good good while. Then we opened Moho at some point, so we had the South American Cafe on Davis Island. I think that's when things were starting to slow down a little bit. Moho was a fun restaurant because it was I loved those Latin flavors, mm-hmm. um, and we were kind of you know, modernizing them a little bit. But it was kind of like the idea that we live in a, a Latin community and we felt like it should do well, you know. Mm-hmm. But it didn't do good, you know. It did okay and it was, the food was great. I mean, because it, ca- it was also a casual concept. Right. So it was cool, but uh, I just think just logistics, it wasn't right meant to be. So we ended up uh, closing that after two years. Mm-hmm. Then we opened the market, kind of, kind of, like overlapped with the uh, moho, so the market was uh, where Dats is. Okay. We had this um, mise en place market, and the idea was going to be a big wine store, um, a lot of uh, home meal replacement. Um, you know, like like I said, a market. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it was cool, and it was like exciting, and um, I think things were kind of like not. We're 100% where it should have been, mm-hmm. but I hired a chef that used to work with me on Plaid. He came back to work, and all the all the home meal replacement was kicking off. Mm. It was exciting, but he hated it. Oh. So then oh, no. he goes, I want to do a restaurant. Yeah. So And he was the man, and I'm here. Right. So we do a bistro, and it was great. <laughs> I mean, he did a great, I mean, he was awesome. And it was cool. We did a brunch. I mean, it was killer but then i getting here i go getting divorced you know and life change so we have to we can't keep both spots and i felt this we had great at the time we had great parking we were busy there had didn't have great parking so i felt we had to let that go so gotcha so that was that time and then moho had closed that closed Oh, at one point we had a jazz club. Oh, one, nice. I think that was going on before <laughs> everything else. I mean, we had here, and then we opened. It was called 442. And it was in the building, at the end of the building. And it was cool. It was like live music every night. Mm-hmm. I think we were four four nights a week. Um, always really killer, like, you know, like local, um, maybe not local right. music. We had a limited menu, which never really kind of that part people didn't get. So mm-hmm. that, But it was cool. And then that eventually closed, and that became like a, just a banquet space. Gotcha. So we had a lot going on, and then everything kind of came down to basically mise en place again. So, yes. And that's Back when things base. were kind of rebuilding at that point, you know. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so in all this time, um, you know, I happen to know, and you, it's been mentioned before, you've been a mentor to a mini of chef that's worked underneath you. We've had great, great people work here. Amazing, um, talented Farrell, people. Farrell Alvarez yes. of Rooster. Um, he mentions you specifically. Yeah, he's been on the on podcast the before. Mm-hmm. He was here eight years, and mm-hmm. he's a good friend and a mm-hmm. great, great chef, of course. And mm-hmm. I'm just really proud of what he's doing and accomplishing yeah. now. So happy for him. Yeah. And his and Ty as well, his partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so Farrell. Then we had another guy that was pretty cool. Uh, I thought about, and he his name was Eduardo Jordan. Okay. So he worked here as his internship, and then was going to open a place in Tampa. He had like he had some money uh, that he could do something, and decided 
So he, he went to work for Thomas Keller at French Laundry. Okay. And then went out to Seattle. And then he opened, his name Eduardo Jordan. He opened uh, Solari and June Baby. And he was like in Food and Wine magazine. He was all over wow. press. So the guy, I mean, the guy really blew up. I mean, he and so I was really excited to see that. Yeah. And then he actually did a dinner at Farrell's at Rooster and Till, kind of like he does those uh, series, those summer series dinners, chef dinners. Mm-hmm. And I had gone to that and get to see him. But to see him, I mean, he just kind of worked in the pantry, did pizzas, desserts yeah. here, mm-hmm. and then left. I think he went. I think he left there to do like um, a stint at. French Laundry, so I mean, yeah. that was a pretty good success story. So. Yeah, right. So those That's are probably amazing. the two exciting ones, yeah, for me. So That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, so you started, you're telling about your brands that you've had. What brands do you have going on now? So now uh, we have, um, so my partner is basically, um, it's called the Dewey and the Berkeley Beach Club. Mm. So uh, they have six suites. They're like um, amazing. They're, they're like like a two-bedroom suite that has full kitchen, full living room area, okay. um, right on pre- premise. They have a rooftop bar, uh, a pretty nice restaurant down below. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot of events there. Um, it's a really killer space in Paso Grill. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so I was part of that, but not as much as I was more in the beginning, but more so more involved here. And then we have a, a restaurant, a cafe in the airport. Called, oh, okay. Uh, Cafe of Meat by Mise en Place. Um, oh, nice. And that's that's a fun project, too, because it's kind of like this food, but not, like, elevated as much because yeah. of the just the dynamics of the airport. But, sure. Um, so if somebody's cool. flying in and wants to experience Mise en Place, what is it that you guys serve at the airport? So the airport, um, it's similar foods that were, like, maybe more on our lunch menu here. Okay. Um, you know, we don't have a, a big like entree selection there, mm-hmm. but a lot, a lot of like sandwiches, um, some good, like really creative sandwiches, um, some starters. <laughs> so we have we have uh, like a uh, grilled cheese that we do with like roasted tomatoes, mushrooms, goat cheese, mm. Gruyere, um, and that's very popular. Uh, mm-hmm. We had on our lunch menu was really popular. It was called our, we called it was called the Willie Moore uh, sandwich. So it's a story of Will Moore. A guy goes to says, "Give me um, fifty curry chicken salad sandwiches on pumpernickel mm-hmm. with provolone cheese," and I said, "Okay." And then he never showed up for the order. We prepped it all, so hence his name was Willie Moore yes. on the check. You know that didn't go through. So that is um, hysterical. The, hence the name of the sandwich. So we put down our menu and uh, great sandwich. People loved right? it. Wow. So, so that, you made all your money back from being yeah, ditched right. by Willie. So yeah. So we had to run it. So we, this is on Platt. This goes back to Platt Street. Right. So uh, that was always on the menu, and then we put it on their menu, and it sells great. It has a it's kind of old school a mango chutney uh, that we make, and uh, pumpernickel toasted with provolone. Um, Great sandwich, um, but yeah. So that would be one of the yeah. kind of signature style. Dishes. I go with the grilled cheese mm-hmm. all that day. Sounds really good, yeah. All our, day. Our salmon um, dish that we used to run on lunch menu, very popular. It was basically grilled salmon with, um, or I'm sorry, pan seared with um, jasmine rice, little grilled asparagus, um, roasted Roman tomatoes, and a green apple curry vinaigrette. Yum. And it's great, and it's still on the menu there, and um, it was a big seller for us here. So, yeah. so things like that. We have more starters. We actually just redid the menu, so adding a couple more starters, and mm-hmm. you know, just kind of, you know. But from what I understand, people 
really like it. Yeah. So for an airport, uh, breakfast was new to us too. We never did breakfast. So mm. having to do breakfast at the airport um, it was uh, kind of challenging, but it was kind of fun. And we, I think we have some great breakfast items. Yeah, if you think about the airport in the past, mm-hmm. um, the options have definitely elevated to have more creative, healthier mm. foods from, you know, I've been around here a long time. The el- you couldn't even hardly get anything to eat at the right. airport before. <laughs> and now you have mise en place uh, as you go in on your trip or you're coming into Tampa. Yeah, no, it's great. And, like, I'll go and, and check in on things and try a few things. And when we did the menu change, I tried about probably eight items. And mm. I'm thinking at the time, like, these are really good, you know. Mm. And obviously, are they perfect? Maybe not. But are they really good for mm-hmm. an airport? I say yes. Yeah. You know, so. yeah, they're really, really good. Yeah. So that's basically yeah, what we have right now. So I, I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on the pandemic um, and how that affected your industry. Um how did you, what did you guys do when, from the shutdown and how did you pivot, you know, to kind of keep your business going? And then we'll lean into how you actually helped us feed folks and connect us with people. So, yeah. So, um, we pivoted to be in a care, uh, to go restaurant, which okay. we, you know, we always you catered before. We kind of started <laughs> and I kept most of my cooks. I Go had, a, you know, some people I had to, you know, lay off for temporary, but I kept my core staff. And we developed into a pretty good carryout, which, you know, we kind of like made the menu more like comfort Mm -hmm. style foods. Mm -hmm. Um, We did family uh, dinner packages, Um, but we were building that pretty good. And at one point we were all saying we want to can't wait to put food back in real plates. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, you know, it was kind of fun. You know, we... um, we would have music playing in the kitchen. We'd be drinking, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> we'd sit down after and eat dinner after. Right, Cause, together. You know, it, like I said, there was really nothing to do. So we we just, it was kind of in that, like, um, in that zone, you know, of that. Mm-hmm. So it was fun. But at one point, like I said, all right, this, we're ready to open. So I remember Mother's Day of that, whatever year that was, uh, when we were allowed to reopen, mm-hmm. that's when we, we did a brunch, and then we reopened. And everything was changed because it was smaller, staff was smaller, yeah. uh, you know, you were limited to how much you could see and serve. Yeah. The tables had to be spread apart. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, everything. I, I recall that. And I'm known for, I do a huge menu, so then I just totally shifted gears and started doing small, small menus. Now the menu's pretty decent size, but I really do enjoy like a small, a smaller menu now. So it just took me a, a pandemic to realize that. You <laughs> right. Know, so. Well, it seems like you've kind of learned through experiences all the way through in your career. I learned a lot in the last three years, honestly, like, yeah. you know, um, I think we all have. Yeah. So, right. Yeah, Cause we yeah. were doing gosh, 50,000 meals, pushing them out, uh, pre-prepared meals yeah. in partnerships with restaurants throughout, um, our community and our own Trinity cafe kitchen. Right. Um, so yeah, going to, you know, senior uh, facilities. Ev and I went there a few times where, you know, they were locked down and had really no options. So the restaurant community, you being one of them, um, gathered along with us to help put those meals in those homes. Right. Yep. Yep. That's what friends are for. Right. Yeah. 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 And now we'll get on to how are we friends? It's pretty epic. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hello, Ms. Kelly Sims. Welcome back to Stick a Fork in It. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat today. We're, we're having such a great time at Mise en Place with a chef, Marty Blitz, who you know is an iconic chef and has been a mentor to so many people. 
But we wanted to talk to you specifically so we can make sure we get those Epic Chef details down. So how did Epic Chef start? Really, this is such an exciting story in that um, our partner, um, Mainsail Lodging, um, that actually hosts the event now at their Epicurean Hotel property, um, have a, a policy that wherever they open a, um, a property or a concept in a community that they want to partner immediately with a nonprofit that is meaningful to them. And so it happened to be that our CEO, Thomas Vance, was relatively new in his role here and new in Tampa, as a matter of fact. And so that organization reached out to us, Tom Haynes, mm -hmm. uh, reached out to us to say, we'd really like to do an event with you. And we think we could feature um, this concept because this particular hotel, as you know, is built around the idea of all things food, hence the name Epicurean. Yes. Um, whereas in other markets, it may be music, it may be other things. And so... Um, it felt very much on brand to them to get to know a local food bank and to come up with um, an idea that they had in their mind around a chopped style tournament event that was multiple weeks and where at the end of the competition, um, a local restaurant is actually named um, the Epic Chef winner of that year and they could proudly display that award in their restaurant, which now in its eighth year um, has proven to be exactly what they planned it to be. And we've been the beneficiary of that kindness that whole time. I think a really interesting feature of the competition for Epic Chef is that it's sous chefs. Uh, it focuses on them. Uh, you know, they have their executive chefs there most often cheering them on. You know, it's folks that are early in their career. Um, and wanting to advance in that. And it's just celebrating them. And I think together now we've grown to a place where from a culinary standpoint, we're all trying to really lift that community and support that. It's so true. The, you know, the original idea is we're not asking the restaurant to put their reputation on the line by their executive chef necessarily performing but it also does something that I think they didn't plan, and that is when you when you put the sous chef forward in this competition, it really shows the depth of experience because we have these sous chefs who, as you've seen, Shannon, and I've seen in my now sixth year of this event, the depth of their knowledge could probably run a restaurant in most any other location. And so you really get to learn a lot more about a restaurant than we might've thought initially. Um, and then the other thing we've found more and more with this event is what we, what we share with our restaurant partners and our hospitality partners and the, and the entrepreneurs, the restaurateurs who developed this is this true understanding of what happens around the table. And yes, they create and curate some of the greatest menus you can ever go to at our event, but also in their own um, place of business. Uh, but they know that what they're really doing is making possible this 
couple of hours around a table where people can fellowship, get to know each other better, share stories, um, you know, become a closer family, become better friends, all the things that happen around the table. And each year I'm more and more reminded of the fact that while we do it in completely different ways, giving food out, obviously in a beautiful menu or in a box of groceries or a prepared meal, in the case of feeding Tampa Bay, we're doing the same thing. And that is we're allowing people to enjoy those moments together around the table. Well, and it's really interesting, I believe, um, due to the pandemic, we started streaming Epic Chef. So anyone can watch from home and enjoy the event all five nights. And then we even have an element where you can be part of the event and vote on a number of things for those chefs. Yes. As, as one of the things we found out very early on is we sell out um, all five and, and before that seven weeks of the event so quickly. And there was this group of people who were saying like, I didn't get to see, how can I, how can I be involved? I just want to learn about the chef. I want to learn about what you all do at Feeding Tampa Bay. How can I somehow be involved? And so the concept of streaming it, allowing the public to join in. Um, and now we've added interactive opportunities for people to vote and um, share a question or something. And so our desire is not to limit this to the 50 seats that are in the Epicurean Theater, but rather expand it wherever possible to make others be involved. Yeah, and if folks want to drop by and see us, you and I for five weeks and our team and uh, the restaurants, some of their team will actually be in the lobby and the bar during the event. We invite folks to join us. Um, the Epicurean puts together some wonderful beverage uh, specials and some dinner specials so you can enjoy and kind of be there with all of the energy and the big screen TVs. But we do encourage you to go to feedingtampabay.org backslash epic chef so you can join us from home and just as always be part of the Feeding Tampa Bay family. Thank you so much, Kelly, for stopping your day and joining us to talk about Epic Chef, the eighth annual, and I can't wait for it to start. We can't wait either. So thank you a lot for allowing us to tell more about the story of Epic Chef. How long is it? So we're, we're gearing up for Epic Chef. Right. It's coming again. Eight years. You've been doing it the whole time? Yeah, since the day one, yeah. Since day one. We've done, our crew, our staff has done good. I think we have two or three wins. Mm -hmm. That's pretty, I think, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but the funny, here, okay, so this is kind of funny. So the first guy who won was Will. And Will's a good guy, you know, and he worked for us for on and off for a while. Mm -hmm. And so he won, and he won, you know, and it's all about the, the cause, really. If you yes. think about yeah. number one reason, the cause, hands yes. down. Right. Yes. And then all the other little stuff is kind of fun. It's like a bonus. So he wins, and he's you know he's got a little ego, and that's cool. So then Gabe, <laughs> the next guy, I think he no Steve. So Gabe was my chef after Will had. I think Will was still here, but Gabe did it. He was a sous chef, so okay. he didn't won. But then they did like the five thousand dollar prize. Yeah, yeah. They got, got a little crazy. <laughs> he got the press, like right. So and Gabe doesn't really have like his ego is great. Like Gabe's cool. Everyone loved Gabe. So like. Will was so mad because he, <laughs> he still didn't worked get the there. Good stuff. But not only that, but it was the then the best part about all is one of my other cooks taped. 
the article of Gabe all in around the kitchen. So Will <laughs> would see him. So he would tame wow. down the ceiling. He would tame. Wow. We have this like this draw like this uh, loft with a draw. You pull down the ladder, and he taped it on when you pulled <laughs> oh, it down. There. No. I mean, I don't know how you know, but it was just funny. So, yeah. but I mean, it's just a competition. Then one of our one of our chefs. At the time, he and everyone didn't really like him too much, and he didn't win the first round, so everybody was almost kind of happy. Uh, right. So it's just you know you're always rooting for your own crew, but yeah, at the same course. time, you know how ego chef egos are. You yeah. Know, so. <laughs> the artist. But yeah, it's an so, artist ego. But yeah, so it's it's been fun. Yeah, for sure. So describe a little bit for our uh, viewers and listeners um, what the competition is like. So I did it one year. They had chefs do it. You mm -hmm. know, um, and that was fun. Um, so it's pretty intense. I mean. You, everyone, I think, like, is practices before, and they think about, like, I want to make certain side dishes that can do quick, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it may work with the ingredients, it may not, but yeah, at least they have something. Yeah, because you're timed. Because mm -hmm. you're timed, yeah. and you want to be kind of have something up your sleeve, you know, right. you can't just go in there blind. I mean, some <laughs> people can, but it's good to have, like, a, a kind of a pre-thought. Yeah. And, um, you know, but, yeah, I mean... Generally, the ingredients are pretty fair. Then I don't get they don't get too crazy. A couple years ago, they threw a couple <laughs> zingers. Yeah, because so each each competition has uh, two surprise ingredients, mm -hmm. and now we've kind of moved to the children picking it, yeah. which kind of really gets a little hairy. <laughs> oh, and then um, the chef from the Epicurean picks the other one. So right. now it's the kids' picks mm -hmm. that are a little like Captain Crunch, yeah, yeah. you know, things right. like that. Yeah. So, so what's it like when you, so you're saying you kind of prep a little, you practice. In you your mind, yeah, you think about like, But what happens right. when you get ca Captain Crunch thrown at you? <laughs> so you get something like that, you, then you just gotta, just gotta go with it, you know? So <laughs> like you always think, well, there's always sweet. Every food is sweet. Sour, all the different elements of uh, mm -hmm. of taste. So just sweet, and, and you, generally most food you use a sweet component. So that becomes your sweet component. Got I mean, if you yeah. have to kind of like someone not as experienced may not know that. I'm not saying like I'm greatly experienced, but I would say You've like been doing this for a minute. Yeah, but you know that would be something that you would utilize in the sweet gotcha. component. So like uh, for your for the sugar, instead of using sugar, you'd use the Captain So crunch. the strategy right. of the meal, it has certain elements it has to have and whatever's thrown at you, you replace it with what you right. really would. Right, so yeah. Okay, I'm not gonna lie, that doesn't sound that tough. <laughs> so that's not, yeah, so. Uh, so that's the element of how, I guess, after so that. So if you, you kinda know. know what you're doing, you, yeah. kinda you kinda embrace that a little mm -hmm. bit, yeah. you know, some of the challenge, you know. No, and the Epicurean stocks their, their um, it's their theater, mm -hmm. and they stock it Gorgeously. I mean, I've they been great for job, four yeah. years. Like, you have pretty every fresh, the whole wall is seasoning. So, are, do you have everything you need in the moment when you're competing? Yeah. You have equipment, you have blenders, you have food processors. Yeah. You have, um, you know, you have, uh, they give you stocks, they give you, you know, dairy, I mean, spices. Yeah. Um, so, pretty much everything yeah. you need to kind of create. To kind of move dish, around yeah. and do what you want. Um, so, there's an award. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there sure is. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that happen? I don't. Hell, I don't know, man. I'm just. It just means it, I'm an OG that you know <laughs> that's that. It. Uh, that's right. Been around. It should and, be the Marty uh, Blitz OG yeah. award. Yeah. But you know, we do a lot for the community. Uh, I guess we got recognized. That's part of it. Um, just being around for a long yeah. time. And starting, helping start. Start. Yeah. It's now so, in its eighth year. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm I'm honored to be in that role. Yeah. You know. So, but. And we're always thrilled Exciting, to have you yeah. and talk to you. So with that, how does it make you feel to have your peers win the Marty Blitz? 
I think it's great. I think it's like, it's <laughs> like very, it's here very, you go. You're welcome. <laughs> it's, very, it's, very, it's very exciting. Yeah. And it's great. Like I said, it's, really it's an great honor. to be, uh, be, yeah, I'm honored and great yeah. to be part of it. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, so why feeding Tampa Bay? Why? You guys do so much. I mean, I mean, why not? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, you're amazing for what you do and just glad to be involved, you know, any way we can. You well, know? and it's like kind of, we, we always say, you know, Great things happen around a table. Um, another thing is everybody has one thing in common, it's food. So when you put a hunger relief organization and a, amazing talented chefs, you know, it turns into this big thing that gets sold out very quickly. But the reality is we're all thinking about these meals that can be on tables and what that end result is because there are folks that aren't enjoying a meal at all or a healthy meal. And we're all just working together to kind of Put those on right. tables because that's really the end game and why we do epic chef is it's just really all these amazing talents um all these wonderful people that sponsor everybody getting together to really put meals on tables that's what it's about yeah and it's great to see how many people that want to partake and yeah. um yeah. be involved so well and i think it's really fun now too because uh ev and his team now have a streaming oh, yeah. so if you um are well let's just be Frank, it sells out in five yeah, minutes. Right. Yeah. I mean, now in our eighth year, I think it was like not even a week and we were completely sold out. Yeah, so but now room. you can experience it by coming and hanging out with us. We're going to hang out on your night mm -hmm. awesome. um, with your badassery shirt that I'm going to get you. <laughs> um, but you can hang out with us at the mm -hmm. Epicurean, but now you can really watch it from home on TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, right? on YouTube. Yeah, I have. I've done it. I mean, it's great. It's yeah. yeah, yeah. So we invite you to watch on YouTube. Yeah. Um, you know, again, all this work that we do to try to put meals on tables. You know, follow us on social. Mm -hmm. You know, share what we do. Follow, follow Mise and Plus. Yeah. We'll know Me what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So follow all of us on social and, um, yeah. Okay. Now we're going to move on back into personal stuff. Okay. okay. So do you have? A memory of a meal around a table. So I do. I was I, I was thinking about that. So one thing that comes to mind is a Christmas years. I don't know how many years ago. A good friend of mine. He's a restaurateur, um, and this before he became in the restaurant business. It was Christmas Day, and we would always. He before he got into it, we'd always. He's, he always talked to me about what am I cooking for Christmas this year for his family. Mm -hmm. And then that's Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day we would spend like the night with. I would usually go to his house and be with his family, and mm -hmm. we did a leg of lamb, and we just we cooked it together. You know, we stuffed it with the garlic and the herbs, roasted it, made the jus. Mm -hmm. uh, had a, I remember making the gratin potatoes like to go with it. I think we had some I don't know, green beans or something. But I just never forget drinking red wine as we're cooking, hanging out at his house. And that's a memory that I think that, that pops very into special, mind. yeah. Because I just think that was like such so awesome. And his yeah. family, and then having seen that with his family, yeah. right? It was really cool with yeah. friends in the kitchen. Yeah, that's always and then add wine, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. You know, yeah. makes yeah. makes parts hard to remember, but definitely. Yeah, <laughs> for me, actually, being a young adult, um, coming here was my first experience with fine food. Um, I learned about wines, what wines went with what. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have, had great servers. I'm talking back in the 90s. Yeah. Um, you had wonderful servers that kind of walked you through it if you were young and just really wanted to know. And then put something on my 
palate on my list of yums is foie gras. Not everybody does it, but dang, I learned about it here. And then to this day we come and I'll have a craving for that and this is where I come for that. So, you know, everybody, you guys look at the menu. Um, Mise en Place is iconic. It's amazing. It uh, Every bite is delicious and the beverages that go with it. Um, our time at Mise en Place is almost over. Okay. So I have a couple more questions for you. <laughs> Closers. So there's a table, right? You have four seats at the table. Yours is one. Whether it's somebody who's here with us or not, who are the other seats at the table? So I think a cool table would be like my old chef, Milos. Mm. Because where, where I was and where I'm at now is, I think, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I, I mentioned before, I'm really into music. And mm-hmm. I love this kind of rapper guy, Action, Action Bronson. Okay. okay. He's uh, really well known in the uh, culinary community uh, and as well as the hip hop community. Okay. So I would think he would be a cool person to hang we out with. We need to get with. him yeah. for Epic Chef. <laughs> yeah, he'd be awesome. <laughs> I saw Maybe him. he can help out with that. I saw him when he was at Janice last, he oh, was nice. here recently. Um, yeah. And it looked like everybody were like cooks, beards, you know, <laughs> yeah. like hats, you know. But he definitely appeals to a lot of the culinary. Yeah. And he has, he has like shows like uh, FS Delicious. I mean, he's really, okay. he has okay. like, uh, he was on Vice Network. I mean, okay. he's super, in, but his, and his music is great. But mm-hmm. um, in fact, he's playing in the kitchen right now. <laughs> week, so. <laughs> um, so, and then I like I said, music wise, and just a guy I think is great is Ben Harper. I would love okay. to hang out with him. So, yeah. So, I think that would be a cool yeah. little table. You know, it would be so. an um, awesome table. Right. <laughs> so, what would you cook? So, I would. I would do like uh, like a beef shank mm-hmm. because I think those things are awesome, and mm-hmm. you'll never see them. It would feed definitely the table. Mm-hmm. Um, How would you cook it? I would bra- braise Braised it beef. and just do just some fun side dishes with it. But yeah. I think because of the size of the shank, because generally you always hear lamb shank. Well, you really it's hard to do beef shank in restaurants because you can't really. It serves a group. And oh yeah. Okay. So like like a like a short ribs or I love braising. So like lamb shanks or veal shanks are small. Mm. But a beef shank would be like one whole big, the size of like a basketball, you know? <laughs> and then you would just carve it and everyone would just chill and eat. Yum. Nice. Drink and be fun. <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> you know? You know, yeah. finally, you have been a mentor to so many by design. Do you have any advice as we pack up and leave your restaurant today for... You know, people who are looking to get into your industry, who want to be an executive chef, who want to be an entrepreneur. I mean, it's a great it's a great field. It has its ups and downs like anything. But I mean, when it's going good and things are mm-hmm. like and you're into the you're doing the food you want to do, you have happy guests and things yes. like that. It's a great feeling. And so and I, you know, I encourage people mm-hmm. to do it. Um, I'm glad to see it feel like at one point with covid people weren't really wanting to work and mm-hmm. and so now you're seeing more people getting back into yeah. it um so it's just to be excited and passionate about about this this field not just cooking but the hospitality field right. because there's so many aspects to it you know right and uh like i said it's very rewarding when things are going well so right and you're a testament to you know you talked about during you know apprenticeships and things like that are really important because mm-hmm. it's how you learn you know, so totally. getting into that, and it's like from when you moved to Florida, actually, and you went all the way through all the things you did, brought you to here. So people yeah. need to be patient <laughs> and love what you do. Yeah, it's true. All of it. Yeah. All right, friend. 
Thank you for sitting with us. Thank you. We'll see you at Epic Chef. (laughs) And you'll be flying our colors. Yay! Yeah, I will. Hopefully. (laughs) Thanks, Fred. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok at Feeding Tampa Bay.